Hello, and welcome to Healing for Your Thoughts, the podcast that has the kind of conversations that help us all heal out loud rather than continue suffering in silence. I'm so glad you could join us today. Let's get into the show. Susan L. Taylor, the former editor-in-chief of Essence Magazine, once said, whatever we believe about ourselves and our ability comes true for us. In life, we do not get an infinite amount of time to compete, complete, or achieve an infinite number of things. Wisdom says that as we are granted our share of time and choice, we are to be wise with both. We are even encouraged to stay ready so we don't have to get ready. But far too many of us don't necessarily want to put in the effort to quote unquote get ready because society lends itself to a belief that instant gratification is the way. And so for better or worse, we lean into that. The challenge, though, is that we, all of us, at some point or another, arrive at the place where we realize we want the win, even if we won't admit it to others. We want the awards and recognition. We even sometimes covet the lives we see others living. But again, we don't always want to put in the work to get there, wherever there may be. And we also, because of that, likely have no idea the amount of time, effort, and sacrifice that went into the climb. It's the climb that gets people tripped up and often skews their perception of reality. And it is what has led to my personal belief that 99% of the time, most people see the ebb and flow of others' lives as the thing that is big and bold, shiny and full of perfection all the time, especially in comparison to their own lives. Therefore, they discount that remaining 1% where life, quote unquote, really happens, where there is extra effort required to push. That 1% that is full of sometimes unimaginable lessons disguised as losses. Lessons that prepare us not just for the arrival at a destination where we hope the win awaits, but instead where we also find, if we dare pay attention, We find the preparation for the journey toward the destination where a million little things that make up the essence of life exists. Because of this, few, I think, really understand the true cost of a life well lived. More to the point, it's important for me to make clear that that quote-unquote cost is far less about money and instead about so much more. It's about things like focus, discipline, and sacrifice. Turkish poet and writer Sabatin Ali once said, the pain of losing something precious, be it happiness or material wealth, can be forgotten over time. But our missed opportunities never leave us. And every time they come back to haunt us, we ache. Or perhaps what haunts us is that nagging thought that things might have turned out differently. Because without that thought, we would otherwise put it down to fate and accept it for what it is. Reflecting on this, what I know to be true is that sometimes there simply is no next time. No second chances or time to pause, to hesitate and instead say, let's just wait and see what happens. Sometimes in life, all we have is the present, this current moment. And for whatever we seek to do, it's either now or never. If we fail to act, Perhaps it's because it isn't that we aren't ready. Perhaps the problem is that in our hearts and minds, we don't believe that we are. 
Let me ask you something. After listening to what I've said thus far, as you consider your own individual circumstances, I'm wondering, how many times has the loud and aggressive voice in your head screamed you couldn't? And so you told yourself and the world, no. Personally, I know this has been true for me a time or 10. How many times have the heartbeats of fear pounded so heavily, so forcefully, that you hesitated to step forward into the field of opportunity to offer yourselves as a viable choice, a qualified candidate, the solution architect for a problem in the world, even when you knew that you knew that you knew that you were the chosen one. And instead, you shrank yourselves, silenced your own voice, or maybe you dimmed your light in favor of someone else's so they could be comfortable. Or worse, did you allow them to deal to dim your light because you were so intimidated by the situation or just didn't believe in yourself quite enough? Have you been there? As messed up as that is in my lifetime, I know that I have on more than one occasion. And you know what? My sense of self-confidence ultimately paid the price for it. I know I'm not alone, but in this moment, I might be alone in admitting it out loud. Basically, we get so entrenched in our own mental obstacles that we let the noise and nonsense of life feed our spirits and keep us emotionally shackled to dysfunction and unbelief. So hearing this, The question then becomes, how many times must we taste regret before we allow ourselves to feast on Y-E-S? In full transparency, though, before I can ask you how many times, I have to be honest and say that I, too, have had to consider the answer to this question for myself. I've had to face to deal with my stuff and the reasons why and how my own mental obstacles caused me to get in my own way in the way of opportunity clearly meant for me. Maybe the problem is that the situation wasn't that clear. And that's how I ended up in countless second-guess predicaments, unsure of what to do or how to do it. Actually, you know what? Let me not BS myself or you. The problem comes down to a matter of belief, period. It reminds me of that quote that goes something like, if you think you can, you're right. If you think you can't, you're right. Few things are more of a punch to the gut true than this. And you know what? I'll take that gut punch every time and fight to rise from it when I stumble and fall in my thinking, when I stumble and fail in my thinking. Fighting to rise when mental obstacles knock me down is forever necessary because beyond a shadow of a doubt, in my moments of self-confrontation, I always figure out what I already knew. That changing my thinking and adjusting the self-directed narrative is a must. I must always find a way to push past my mental obstacles, not simply as a means of quote-unquote moving on, but more so as the vehicle to grow forward. By the way, I state claim to the mental obstacles I experience as quote unquote my own 
because I firmly believe that in order to really, to really be motivated to do something about them, I have to bear the responsibility for them. In order to bear the responsibility, I have to first acknowledge that the obstacles exist. Doing all of this, it then becomes my responsibility to put in the work to change them from obstacles to real life opportunities. That is how you learn. That is how you grow. That is how you strengthen your journey of becoming. The challenging thing for me, and I would guess probably for many of you as well, is that when we endeavor to do anything in life, early in the process, we realize that we just simply have to start somewhere. For most of us, somewhere is an existence that feels small and unknown and maybe even a bit uncertain. As we toiled in our work, we hope to grow into something greater, more profound and impactful. Some of us will happily rest in that and be okay with trusting the process, proudly sharing our miniature triumphs as they evolve into giant steps toward our preconceived notion of greatness. Others of us, though, will struggle to continue to press forward because being seen as small or unknown is something we're not comfortable with, probably because we forget or altogether ignore that that smallness is the exception and not the rule. So we end up not sharing our endeavors with necessary enthusiasm or pride. Instead, we speak of them nominally, further diminishing the brave steps we've taken as if it's something to be embarrassed about. How do I know this to be true? Because I've been there and done that. Real talk, y'all, I'm not sharing something that I've heard. I'm talking about what I know. And it's something that I continuously have to work at not doing because I, like so many of you, I can easily get caught up in inadvertently negating my own progress if or when it doesn't feel big enough for the acceptance and approval of others, which, yep, I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. Hearing this, I already know what you're thinking. You're probably saying, Charlita, yep, that's crazy. It's sad. It's a shame. And I will agree, it's all of those things and so much more. And I have to tell you that being an extroverted introvert certainly doesn't help the matter. But you can't fix what you won't face, right? Right. So I'm a recovering unbeliever because that too is a thing. If it weren't, more people would more readily be chasing down and manifesting their biggest, wildest dreams. Not the easy stuff they could do with little or no effort, but those dreams that they secretly hold deep in their hearts regularly simultaneously daydreaming about what if, while also being terrified to take the next step, whatever that might be, mostly because they've been exclusively focused on all the reasons why they can't to begin with. Take this podcast, for example. In the grand scheme, it's still very new. It has less than 20 episodes, but is growing. And yet, sometimes when I talk about it, I have to catch and correct myself from justifying its existence by saying things like, oh, I just launched it last month, or it's brand new, hang in there with me and I promise it will get better, which yes, it absolutely will. 
But in the meantime, should it be discussed by me and presented by me to the world as something unworthy of attention or engagement? Nope. It deserves better than that. As I hear myself admit this out loud, I am at once embarrassed and also feeling a bit triumphant that I dare say it out loud to begin with. Like, on the one hand, I probably shouldn't share all of what I'm thinking, but not doing so somehow feels inauthentic, especially in the spirit of this show. Because like just just like so many of you, I can struggle with confidence especially when leaning into something new is required. Admitting that might put me at risk for more judgment and ridicule from others. But what I've learned that's far more important is that it doesn't make me less than. Admitting that makes me human. Admitting it out loud? Well, that reminds me of a commitment to myself that I made to heal out loud everything every single thing that has at times felt not good enough. To be clear, that doesn't mean that I'm just sharing all of my personal business, but it does mean that I'm out here and not hiding in emotional solitude because not only is sharing cathartic, it is actually proven to be healing for ourselves and others. Sharing makes room for resilience, perseverance, and the opportunity to reclaim our power and our peace. So what is it about unbelief, self-doubt, diminished confidence, and so many other things that keep us mentally bound to fear, procrastination, imposter syndrome, negative self-talk, etc.? All the things that can have us be in a place, in a space where we don't even easily bet on ourselves or trust God for the rest. According to an MSNBC article, there are several reasons why. The list of reasons is comprehensive and includes things like the pursuit of perfection in lieu of simply getting started. It has been said, and I don't know how many times I've heard, done is better than perfect. But so many of us focus so much time, effort, and energy on being perfect in the eyes of others from the outset that we spin our wheels and spin our wheels and spin our wheels and end up so deep in a rabbit hole pursuing the perfection that we never really get started. Here, the mental obstacle manifests as a false belief that somehow our being less than perfect is an automatic indication of failure. And so we never reach the place or the point of done. The ever-destructive comparison trap is another mental obstacle. We can become so focused on what others are doing as a barometer for what we're not doing that we become distracted by our own perceived shortcomings. And there again, we never get started on the pursuit and completion of our thing. I've actually seen this particular mental obstacle become such an obsession for some people that it ended up ruining relationships. And that really was a shame. Then there are challenges like viewing one's vulnerability as a weakness. I'm so thankful that I've personally been set free from this one because let me tell you, that was a mountain to climb and a hill to get over. Others include becoming stuck in the focus on a perceived failure to the extent of not being able to pivot toward an alternate plan and instead remaining where something simply is not working. Be that thing 
a job, a relationship, whatever it is, staying where it's not working is a problem. And that rigidity is what causes us to fail, not who we are in and of ourselves. On this, Phil Knight, the co-founder of Nike, once said, sometimes you have to give up. Sometimes knowing when to give up, when to try something else is genius. Giving up doesn't mean stopping. Don't ever stop. So y'all, to be clear, this quote is not fundamentally about quitting. It is instead about knowing when to pivot. That pivot can be the pivotal thing to our impending success. But we can only get there once we first admit that we've already been doing something that isn't working. And the way we do it, the way we've been doing it rather, isn't working. Just getting there to that place of acknowledgement is a major obstacle for which some just don't ever achieve. They don't achieve it because admitting it makes them feel, again, less than. Or maybe they rather have the story that they tell themselves be so negative that they walk around in a lack of reality. And so, yep, they remain stuck. And again, I'm so, so, so grateful that while I may have my own set of struggles, not living in reality isn't one of them. And the funny thing is, as I consider this for myself, it reminds me of a quote that I heard by Paul Quolo. And what he said was that impossible is just an opinion. So we walk around believing something is impossible. And in that impossibility, we overlook what we've been doing and what we've been thinking, etc., not realizing that it isn't working. So those two things coming together is just a recipe for disaster. But anyway, I digress. Oh yeah, before I leave this list of reasons for unbelief and impossibility, etc., the one thing I will also share is that letting the opinions of others supersede our own is a problem. Now to be clear, having access to voices of reason and wisdom definitely matters. And believe me when I tell you that I'm grateful for the voices that consistently speak goodness and possibility in my life. But what I also recognize is that it's important that we don't let others' voices always speak louder than our own. Truthfully, though, sometimes that is necessary when what others are saying is speaking a narrative that seeks to eliminate our own negative thinking and doing. Eliminate, replace. Both are necessary when we have a constant perpetual state of negative thinking, doing, or being. The voices of others and those examples can then be very, very helpful. Beyond this, though, we just can't exclusively depend on others to encourage us. We have to learn to encourage ourselves. Think about it. What happens if we depend singularly on other people and then for whatever reason, those people and their voices disappear? Then what? Basically, no matter what else, it's important to recognize the sound of our own proverbial voices always. Trust me on this because again, I speak from experience. I once lost the sound of my voice and it has at times felt like a lifetime of work to get it back. 
The stuff I've mentioned here is just a small portion of what helps create the mental obstacles that keep us from doing what we love and believe we're called to. They can keep us steeped in anxiety and misery and even overwhelm and extreme procrastination. And opportunities for which we are otherwise well-suited, they can feel fleeting and just out of reach beyond what we think is possible. This is especially painfully true for women. These assertions are supported in part by a February 2019 Harvard Business School study, which found that women are disproportionately impacted by gender biases to the extent that not only do these biases hold them back in the workplace, but they can also cause women to question their own abilities. Now, this isn't a surprise to me, and it shouldn't be to you. Honestly, it's not late breaking news. It's been relatively well known for quite some time that women struggle in this way. Men, for their part, though, they rarely question their abilities to the extent that we do. Even when they are grossly unqualified, they will still routinely jump in the fray of opportunity while we sometimes settle for working and watching the action from the sidelines. What I think the Harvard Research article does, though, is add more voices to the discussion around why, so that real change of this behavioral behavioral habit pattern can become possible. When that change comes through a shift toward a masterful mindset, we can all find and pursue the things that make our lives richer and more fulfilling. And we can give up quitting or never getting started because we have to wonder what if. But let's be real. Don't get it twisted. None of that is going to matter if we don't first make the shift to deal with what's the problem or what we think the problem is. So what are your mental obstacles? What are the things you say to yourself that cause you to miss moments meant for you? the things you'll barely admit to yourself, let alone speak out loud. Face them. Explore where they come from. Do the work to disprove and reject them. Peel back all those layers and change the narrative that plays in your head and rests in your heart. And then where opportunity is concerned, though it can be scary to take the leap, Sometimes the easiest, most impactful way to quiet the negative voices in our head and overcome not feeling ready or qualified is to simply say yes. Lean in and then see where the experience takes you. Now, to be clear, I am not advocating for anyone to blindly jump into something they truly aren't prepared for. Doing the work to quote unquote get ready, but not feeling confident because of a case of imposter syndrome is very different than doing nothing at all, having zero experience in a thing, but wanting to be known or treated as an expert in the thing. That kind of entitled thinking is just ridiculous. So absolutely, y'all, invest in yourselves. As I've already said, do the work. Get the training, the education, and whatever else is needed to get prepared, and then put yourself out there. But what if you don't know where to start? then I suggest tapping into your network. A closed mouth doesn't get fed, so ask for what you need. Whatever you do, though, take the strides to begin walking in your purpose. An incredible life is waiting. And speaking of life and its adventures, 
About a week ago, I took a trip to New York City, to the famed Times Square, no less. This trip, not impromptu or unexpected, but instead it was a reward for simply saying yes. Yes to literary adventure. Yes to telling a story. Yes to impacting lives. 24 hours of bright lights in the big city. The funny thing, though, is that on my way to celebrating yes, I was thrust into an unexpected moment of deep and reflective introspection. While waiting for my plane to take off, my mind became flooded with a memory I'd long since forgotten, and it was this. My last trip to New York was nearly five years ago in 2018. I was recovering from a life-saving surgery, and I was going stir-crazy just sitting in the house. And so I came up with the bright idea of going to New York City for New Year's Eve to watch the ball drop. Unable to drive myself, I begged my husband to take me. And after some convincing, off we went. Walking through Times Square in the freezing cold and rain, making our way through countless security checkpoints, there were so many people who were dealing with various challenges in life themselves but who came to this place for one day, for one moment in time, to forget everything else and just be in the moment. Just celebrate seeing another new year. I remember thinking how lucky I was to be there after what I'd just been through. So saying yes to this unexpected adventure in the midst of life happening felt so good to me. I also remember thinking about my husband and kids and how things had been before we got to New York City, how scary it was, how I'd worried them, how they were just trying to get back to a place of normalcy. We were in New York together, but I don't think they were necessarily fully present. Half of their beings were focused on my every move, even as they tried to enjoy themselves. The other half were probably still a bit terrified, waiting for the other shoe to drop. In the midst of it, though, there was gratitude, but also fear, an undeniable mental obstacle. Now, five years later, present day, I'd gotten a chance at a do-over. We weren't in that moment physically together, but I'd brought them with me. It was my family and me back in the square. I stood there alone in my head and they were fully present in my heart. I was there on business, I was there to celebrate and I was completely overwhelmed by the gratitude and stunned shock I felt in the moment. A moment that was simultaneously beautiful and weird. As I turned to catch a glimpse of it, my brain was having a little trouble processing what my eyes were seeing. Shock and awe, definitely another mental obstacle. But there it was, larger than life, bold, beautiful, and full of color, color that popped and came to life. There I was, on full display, my face and that of 24 other extraordinary women on a billboard in the middle of Times Square. It was unbelievable and incredibly surreal. As I stood there watching it reappear in rotation, I cheered. We cheered. 
People walking by watching us watch it cheered. It was an experience that came from an opportunity because I said yes. As life happens for you, what mental obstacles will you push past so that you can say yes? I really hope it's something good and I'd love to hear all about it. Reach out to me on Instagram via Healing for Your Thoughts or send me an email to share at healingforyourthoughts.life. Again, that's share at healingforyourthoughts.life. This has been Healing for Your Thoughts. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, remember to live well and with intention. All my best, Charlie.